So, if you're tuning in, I'm assuming you're aware of what this is, and uh, welcome to my podcast. Now, for those of you thinking, wait a minute, Liam, you're not supposed to have a podcast. You're absolutely correct. Um, But, you know, uh, I can afford a microphone and uh, internet, so try and stop me. But, uh, yeah, I I, I had to think about it myself, and uh, I'm not even sure what really got me thinking that I wanted to start a podcast. But uh, after thinking about, for a while, why should I start a podcast, I kind of came to the conclusion that I have absolutely no reason to start a podcast, no... Uh, area of expertise, no um, special knowledge that anyone would want to glean from me, and uh, and therein lies my special talent, that I have no special talents, nor have I ever tried to have any special talents. I've always been quite content um, avoiding uh, specialization, if that's a word. I think it is. Um, so... Uh, over the past year, I have learned so much stuff that I th- kind of thought I knew. You know, I, I kind of thought like, for instance, I, I thought I knew how, what money was. And I, and I did know what money was in the same way that like, you know, you know what a flower is, but you don't necessarily know what a stamen is. And you don't know how the different parts of a flower work or how flowers have sex or reproduce and all this sort of stuff. So... I mean, things like that. Like, I knew what money was. I thought I knew what government bonds were. I thought I knew... I thought I knew a lot of this stuff, and I did know it peripherally in that kind of way that you know it just enough to get you by through the day thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. When people say that word, yeah, yeah, I I know know what you mean. But over this past year, I've actually really come to learn that I know nothing. And I'm still learning so much, and uh, I just wanted to share some of this information because... I just look back on um, how I was a year ago and how confuse, confusing everything was. And also, I got to take into account that I have probably confused some people. So I hope to set the record straight in that regard. Because uh, <laughs> depending on when the last time you talked to me was, you probably think I'm a huge fan of Bitcoin or... You're not really sure how I feel about Bitcoin or you've never heard of Bitcoin, but my whole past year, year and a half, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general has been like the the backdrop to that, the sort of underlying theme. I've done a bunch of shit. I've been a bunch of places, but uh, cryptocurrencies have been kind of, yeah, 2017 was the year of crypto, but uh I don't know, you know, a lot of people have probably heard of Bitcoin. Um, Less people have probably heard of cryptocurrencies than have heard of Bitcoin, which is, well, I I don't know, it is what it is. Um, But I just wanted to offer my perspective on it. As someone who (laughs) has really, really flip-flopped a lot, I started off being a huge advocate. And I was like, this is incredible. This is awesome. And uh, you probably heard from me, or you might have heard from me over the past year, that uh, it's the new, it's the greatest thing ever. Or you know, and I, I'll, you know, I would have, I would have always given the, the little sort of uh, um, annotations that people give, where they're like, oh yeah, I mean, it could totally fail. I mean, you know, don't invest any more than uh, than you you can afford to lose. But it's the future. It's the future. And uh, you know, this isn't this isn't uh, financial advice. But you should buy some Bitcoin. It's the future. It really is the future. I mean, it, it could all go to zero. But I mean, it, this is really the future. <laughs> and for me, I mean, I really when I got involved in it at the end of two thousand sixteen. I really 100% was like, oh yeah, this is like a crazy little thing. It's it's kind of neat, you know. Um maybe maybe one day it'll be worth a million dollars. Uh maybe it'll be nothing, but you know, I'm young. Uh you know, I'll, I'll give you 800 euro, which <laughs> when I look back on it, I it's remarkable because I never had 800 euro to spend on anything other than a holiday or drugs, so it's remarkable. So, um 
my I you know my perspective of cryptocurrencies is I've gone from being totally enamored with it um, and a little bit obsessed to completely flip flopping about I don't know eight months later and just realizing oh wait a minute this just might never work just because I started to think about wait a minute how does money work and wait what is money and what what is all this economic stuff and like what what are we going to use Bitcoin for and how are we going to use it and 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 like all the things that are good for Bitcoin are they actually useful and all the things that people say are bad about fiat currencies which if you don't know what fiat currencies are they're just currencies that are issued by governments i didn't know what a fiat currency was maybe maybe most people do know what they are but until i learned about crypto i had no idea but um yeah there's all these things that are ups and downs you know there's pluses and negatives for both and uh and really uh, as someone who's explored both sides and honestly really does not know what the correct answer is especially considering the correct answer depends on a lot of other things happening. Like people want to say, oh, Bitcoin's going to be the future, blah, blah, blah. It just needs this to happen. You're like, but what if that doesn't happen? You're like, and they never talk about, you know, uh, what, you know, what is it going to take? Like uh, all the extra steps. But, but we're, we're going to get into that. <clears throat> I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, to keep myself from just ranting endlessly, the theme of the show is uh, essentially from the start, I don't know if anyone's ever uh, heard of the term uh, Eli 5, which is like uh, explain like I'm 5. So, uh, you know, if you want to just break something down really simply, like, you know, how does the internet work? Explain like I'm 5 and someone will explain it in a real simple metaphor. So uh, I'm going to do explain like I'm high. So we're going to start the show off. Uh, The noises that you might be hearing in the background, I don't know how good my microphone is. Um, That's uh, me rolling a joint. Um, My voice may kind of dip out. Every so often, because I'm kind of I'm looking down at my my arrangement. But anyway, I'm gonna roll one and smoke one, and hopefully, or, or over the course of rolling and smoking one, that will be able to um, be able to explain cryptocurrencies and not just explain because you know so often people will just explain Bitcoin or they explain cryptocurrencies, and that's great, but without any context, you know, because that was the thing as I learned about those things. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. These sound really interesting. I love it. You know, let's just uh, carry on with this. But no one gave me any context as to, you know, I mean, they give you a little bit of context, like what is money? You know, who the government, government is bad. Oh, they print money, makes money less valuable. And these things are true too, but it's like, but why do these things happen? You know, like there's still a lot of questions I haven't answered, but I know that it's not as simple as people make it out to be now. So I just want to give people a little bit of honest, rigorous sort of opinion of things. And I mean, like for looking at it from both sides, and coming from someone who has been like a, a huge advocate on either side and like, you know, I'm very much look back on my previous opinions and kind of go, oh my God, I was so stupid. I can't believe it. But, you know, this is the, you know, that uh, I may have, you know, if I've been stupid in the past, that means I'm smarter today. So uh, you got to take uh, take your wins, take your losses. Um, but yeah, I just want to share with people because it's, a, it's not only, you know, I talk to a lot of people when I mention to people that I got involved with it. People are kind of like on the fence. They're like, ooh, you know, should I buy some Bitcoin? And I'm like, you know, I was telling friends like this time a year ago, I was 100%. I was like, listen, you know, it's risky. You know, anything could happen. But I was like, you know, it's a cool, I think it's a cool gamble. I was basically advocating for this gamble. But I was very much like, hey, this is a gamble. This could be super weird. Um, and I don't really know what the future is, but... I was down and I was not just saying that that's I was putting my money where my mouth was entirely. So, um, I, yeah, I just kind of want to, to break down an, an honest opinion of it because people who are advocating for Bitcoin advocate just, they just advocate. They don't really say like, well, you know, I'm not really sure about this and I'm not really sure about this. And, you know, I was one of these people, so I'm not like saying that these, there's anything wrong with these people, but it, it just, it just creates, uh, people who don't like Bitcoin, they just badmouth it or they just say that it's not possible, not going to work. And they don't even, they won't look past their arguments. And the other side are doing the same. And, it, and 
when those are the only two kinds of voices out there, it just creates a uh, a real um, uneducated um, conversation. So I'm just trying to have the educated conversation and sorry, I had to lick the joint there and uh, and just try and get to the bottom of it because you know I don't care about being right. Well, I mean I do. Like I want to be right. I want to know what the right answer is. And, you know, sometimes I find out the right answer and then I completely ignore it because I don't think it, it helps or it's useful and not, or I don't feel like it. So, but, but it's, you know, hiding from the truth doesn't help anything um, or ignoring it. So, although I did just say I ignore it, but, but it's important to know what the truth is. And then if you decide to act against it, then whatever. So I got a whiteboard here. I'm just going to swivel this microphone around and uh, the, I'm just using this thing to keep me on track and uh, I'm just going to read down, run through the little sections because I just wanted to, I could rant and ramble and then realize that I'd missed some really important part back at the beginning. So I'm just going to run through what I had broken down just to go through cryptocurrencies. I'm going to light my joint and then we're going to break it all down. So what is a cryptocurrency? Are they currencies? What is a currency? Um, I also just like to briefly touch upon the myth of the barter economy, which is not exactly relevant to this, but I just hear it's another one of these things that I'm like, it's just not not true what these people say. Um, then, so what is Bitcoin? Is it special? Can it work? What would it take to work? Um, what is wrong with fiat currencies? And what is wrong with Bitcoin? So we're just going to go through those kind of topics and that should give you enough of an idea to understand. I mean, it's one of these things I, I don't even think most people need to understand cryptocurrencies because I feel like it's going to be like most leaps forward in technology. No one understands how they fucking work. You know, like no one understands how a credit card works. I mean, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone. Sorry, everyone. I don't know how a credit card works. Like, and I, I consider myself someone who like, you know, if I don't know how something works, I usually am curious and I, and I feel like after this podcast, I'm going to go Google how credit card works and I'm going to Google how the internet works. Cause I have no idea how the internet works. Absolutely no idea. No, no idea. I imagine it's something like radio, but now, now that I think about it, there are pipes underneath the ocean that have cables in them. And I think they're to do with the internet. So maybe the internet is actually just a network of cables. I don't know. I'll, I'll look into it. But um, uh, essentially, yeah, I just wanted to to run down these, break this, uh, break this down in a in a in a fair way, so that people can have a sort of an understanding, just just so that they can understand enough to know whether they want to understand more. Because like, just like credit cards, just like the internet. You don't need to know how these things work to use them, to partake in them, for the change of your life, for them to be used everywhere, you know. But I do think people might be a little bit like, oh, I don't know, should I? And they're going to bump into some people who are huge advocates because there's a bunch of people out there who think this shit is the greatest. And I don't have a problem with it per se, but I just think that it's we're not having the honest conversation. So let's get this going. I'm going to light this joint and we're going to get into it. So starting off, what is a cryptocurrency? So essentially, a cryptocurrency is a huge misnomer um, because it is essentially like uh, some of them are currencies. Um, they're, I guess the term cryptocurrency, cryptographic currency. So it's a currency that is done through mathematics and computing. And some of them are currencies. Some of the most famous ones, uh, Bitcoin is a currency. I guess Ethereum is a currency, but it's like a currency for like, it'd be like if you had a, a computer program that to make the computer program run, you had to use some of this cryptocurrency. So it's like a currency within uh, um, a, a, a program. And then there's lots of other ones like Litecoin, which is a currency. But then there's a lot of them, a, a, I'd say the overwhelming majority of them are what they call utility tokens or 
um, basically securities, like a, a, a company will issue their own token and they'll sell it for money or they'll sell it for Bitcoin or Ether or one of the other ones. And they'll, it's essentially like doing fundraising for a company, like a, an, an IPO, an initial profit offering or initial public offering. Um, and so cryptocurrencies, when you say the term cryptocurrency, I mean, that already has really kind of just destroyed everything because it doesn't, it doesn't really give a fair, uh, assessment of what the marketplace is. It's more like crypto assets. Some of them are cryptographic currencies. Some of them are cryptographic securities. Some of them are cryptographic utility tokens. Um, and some of them are utility tokens pretending to be securities, securities pretending to be utility tokens and vice versa. Um, but I guess, you know, underneath that is, you know, are, are they currencies? Yes. Anything can be a currency. Bread can be a currency. You know, uh, dirt could be a currency, but for various reasons, obviously bread would not be a great currency and dirt would not be a great currency because these things are, you know, dirt super easy to find. And, you know, I also, I guess like you get it wet, turns into mud and then, you know, <laughs> or like bread rots, you know, how many loaves of bread, where are you going to get your bread from? All sorts of problems. And then, so there's, there's, you know, you could, we could use anything as a currency, but obviously once you start having this conversation about, oh, well, what should we use for currency? <laughs> which I don't think is a conversation that's ever actually had. But once you start thinking about it in that regard, then you start to think, oh, you know what? There's a lot of great things out there that could be used as currency and a lot of things out there that would be terrible currency. So, I mean, some things that have been used in currency in the past, feathers, shells, gold, uh, obviously uh, fiat currencies, so notes and coins, uh, credit cards, and now cryptocurrencies. Um, and, and, this is something I wanted to talk about. When people explain currencies, they almost always go, oh, you know, and before we had currencies, we, we you know, we had a barter economy and it was real pain in the ass because, you know, you know, every time, uh, you know, the, the blacksmith wanted to get some bread, he had to try and offer him a, a spear. But what if he didn't want a spear? And it's like, it just like drives me nuts because you got like people who are like, like legitimate economists and just saying these things. And I'm like, I'm almost certain. And I mean, obviously, you know, an anthropology is a constantly updating subject and it's constantly, you know, changing. People are constantly changing their opinions about what's accurate. But I, I, I'm widely, I've read in many places that the barter economy just didn't exist. So either you have a civilization that's so small, like you got like, you know, 30 people in a little, camp and in that regard well i mean that's hunter gatherers so you're probably not even gathering you're not even probably like um getting like attaining wealth and borrowing and lending and things like that so let's say it's a really small town like say there's a hundred people or whatever and you didn't want you didn't have money at this point what they think is that you would work on a sort of uh sort of a um a favor economy where it would just be kind of like you know you you were good to the next man because you knew the next man would be good to you when you needed it and vice versa and it would just keep on going like that you wouldn't like keep a, a running tally of how many spears you had given out or a running tally of how many loaves of bread you'd given to them but in as, as a general rule people wouldn't take more than they needed and people would respond in kind so excuse me and then once you get to a certain size of economy, then you just have to have money of some kind. And I, I think, you know, there's lots of different versions of money. There's, I think I could be totally wrong with this, but I think a shekel was like equal to a certain amount of grain, a certain amount of wheat or something like that. So really they're just, you know, they're just a useful way of, um, uh, keeping a note of everything and delaying payment in one way or another. So, yeah, they don't, I don't think, they don't think the barter economy ever really existed. Cause once you actually have a, a large enough economy where barter would be necessary, it seems that you would have, you'd have money of some kind of, of some form, or whether it's just something like silver and gold, which is like a common rare thing among people that can be recognized and sort of be confirmed to be authentic or something like shells or feathers where all you need for a currency to exist is just trust, uh, faith. And essentially, you know, money has got that in spades. Well, kind of. I mean, it's got it. We all know that you can use money, but I guess the underlying problem with money is what governments do with money and how the value of it is affected. But, um, but anyway, so I mean, yeah, essentially cryptocurrencies, they are, they are currencies if people believe they're currencies. And 
you know, that's it's as simple as that. That doesn't mean that there'll be good currencies, though, just like bread or dirt, you know, just because people believe they can be used as currencies, it doesn't make them the best currencies. And it doesn't mean that they'll be they will be mass adopted as currencies, because they have their upsides and their downsides. And, and they're all very different as well. So you know, you really you should take each one individually. But um, I would just say as well, one thing that I mean, there's a bigger question to be had, I suppose, about the value of, of cryptocurrencies. But I would just like to say, if something is going to be used as a currency in the future, then, you know, I don't know if people have ever heard of an exchange. Like, it's not like I regret now, oh, if only I had bought yen in 1962. Like, you can just get yen now. So if for some reason, like, Bitcoin does become like a giant adopted currency, then it's like... See, this is the weird thing that people are fighting over its value. It's like, you don't, you know, that's an even more confusing topic is how do you value a currency? But a currency's value is basically, a, you know, a, a product of supply and demand. Like if, if people, if a lot of people need that currency, then the currency will go up. And if not many people need that currency, the currency will go down. And in, in the same way, if you make more of the currency than, and the demand isn't there, then the price goes down. And if you make less than the demand is there, the price goes up. So um people running pe bitcoin's price up it's just kind of pointless really and you know uh you know there's a much larger conversation to be had if we want to start actually valuing bitcoin because you, to value a currency you need to apply it to some kind of economy first and you need to have some kind of some kind of basis but anyway getting totally ahead of myself essentially summary crypto what are cryptocurrencies they're, they're essentially, you know, they're a, a mixture of things. Some of them are assets. Some of them are securities. Some of them are, are actually currencies. Um, some of them are utility tokens. Um, they can be used as currencies. Will they be used as currencies? I think it's highly unlikely. And, uh, and I think we already touched on what is a currency in terms of a currency is just, you know, anything that you can use as a medium of account between items and between people and as a, method of delayed payment so you can sort of think you know take take this thing for now and be happy that sometime in the future you'll be able to exchange that thing for more stuff um so essentially i think the next thing i want to talk about so moving on then to what is bitcoin so bitcoin is really interesting in a in a in a sort of um, historical sense that it is the first really successful cryptocurrency i believe there were some cryptocurrencies before there were some not cryptocurrencies but like uh, electronic money before that but they were all centralized so they were all on servers somewhere and therefore you could shut them down just like uh like uh, napster or mega upload and these sort of services so Excuse me. I think the best way to explain cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin being the first cryptocurrency is like is a combination of metaphors. So I think that essentially Bitcoin is like if you think about um I say a lot of people know what torrenting is, um, but if you don't, just give a quick rundown of torrenting. Instead of download if you wanted to download the latest movie, uh the latest, you know, whatever, Will Smith movie or whatever. Instead of going onto a website and stealing it from, or like getting the, downloading it from this website illegally and creating, uh, obviously, you know, if there's a website that's letting you download videos illegally, that's a very easy way for a government or, an, you know, whoever to shut that down. So they can just close down the website, close down the server. So instead of doing that, what you have is you have a bunch of people who, are, who run a program on their computer all around the world and they'll, you know, inst instead of me downloading the movie from a website, I download the movie from 20 or 30 or 100 other people. And they all, at the same time, they all send me little pieces of it, of the movie. And collectively, my computer pieces together the movie from all of these people. So it's very hard, or if not impossible, to shut down because you've got hundreds of people all around the world sort of, uh, com uh, coming together to make this system work. And there's no central point of shutdown. So um, essentially, Bitcoin is, is like that, but for value transfer. So it's the first time that we've been able to keep, basically keep a keep a record or um, do accounting 
without having a centralized organization in the middle. So, you know, if we wanted to keep track of who owned whose money in bank accounts, you had to have, I mean, obviously a bank, or you need to have some sort of organization in the middle, a trusted third party that you and I both agree, okay, this this person or this organization is going to keep a note of, of all the transactions. And when I say I want to give Ted 10 pounds, he's going to cross 10 pounds off of my account and add it on to Ted's account. So that's all well and good and has been pretty fine until you get certain situations like the 2008 financial crisis and, and just, just banking in general. I mean, like, you know, the 2008 crisis was just the, was just kind of a, um, uh, the results of all of these terrible policies and irresponsible activities that banks and governments undertake with money. So essentially Bitcoin is the first time in history that we've been able to do large-scale commerce and it's not ready yet but it is it has the potential for us to be able to do large-scale commerce without a central organization so a farmer in japan could send uh money to uh his son in san francisco without any bank or any organization in the middle so you would just have these computer programs that are running on hundreds of computers all around the world. Um, and it's a little more complicated with Bitcoin because there's hashing power and, and mining farms and all sorts of shit going on. But essentially, you know, just on a simple level, you just got a bunch of computers around the world running a program and they're all collectively working together to essentially be a big public bank in in a way they're all keeping a track of a ledger and all together these computers all update their ledgers together and they all agree who has sent who money and who has sent who money and who sent money back and and they just keep a, a historical record of all the transactions that have been going on and essentially this means that you can cut down payment times payment fees and obviously you cut out all the other messing about that banks can do like fractional reserve banking and also if adopted as a currency, it takes the power uh, out of the government's hand and uh, essentially kind of puts it back into the hands of the people. I mean, that's what the idea of Bitcoin is. So in that regard, you know, I've, I've got it written down. I'm like, is it special? And you're like, yes. So it's the first of its kind. And it's almost like, you know, the second metaphor I would use, the first metaphor I used was um, uh, torrenting. And the second one I would use is um, it's almost like Bitcoin, when Bitcoin was invented, so it's got an interesting story. It was invented by uh, a person called Satoshi Nakamoto, and that's a pseudonym. No one actually knows who the person is who invented it. They posted it on a forum, um, and after it went live, I think after a year of it being live, they just disappeared and were never heard from again. Um, so no one knows who it, who invented it. So it's a real, it's a really interesting like mystery, especially these days when you know, everyone knows everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it is special in that regard. It is the first one. And, and the metaphor I was going to use is that it's almost like if Henry Ford had not only sort of popularized the car, the automobile with the Model T, but if he had also invented the combustion engine at the same time. So, because Bitcoin is not only just, like Bitcoin is is the, I guess the name of the original protocol, but the invention that came along with that protocol, which is blockchain technology, which is also known as distributed ledger technology, which is essentially um, that process that I've explained of, of many computers all around the world operating to update uh, a shared ledger. Um, that is the, that, 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 is what spurred on all of these other cryptocurrencies. So, so first you have Bitcoin, and that solved what they call the double spend problem, which is where you know how if you've got digital money, it can be very easily copied. So how do you stop me, you know, going to the shop and giving my guy a Bitcoin, and then running around the corner and going to the next shop and giving the next guy a copy of the same Bitcoin? And so by solving this, you opened up the door for so many different possibilities and it really is a uh, revolutionary and you know who knows will it cause things to be revolutionized is that a word anyway um yeah of course it's a word. <laughs> revolutionized but um 
it is uh, it is definitely an incredible breakthrough in terms of human uh, development. So, and and one thing I like to sort of something that I I kind of describe cryptocurrencies as, and not that they're all currencies, but this is really like the decentralization of the stock market, the decentralization of the bonds, of decentralization of money itself. And I, I thought of it the other day. I was like, it's it's like self-publishing meets monetary policy. Because it's like, you know, before there was such a, there was a barrier, like for whatever it was, it was like, if you wanted to have a radio show or you wanted to write a book or any of these things, you had to, there's so many hoops that you'd have to jump through and you'd have to, you know, get a part of, be part of a publishing house or join a radio station. And now here I am, you know, releasing my own podcast just because I want to. And, you know, the internet and technology boom have enabled that. And now uh, blockchain technology has enabled the cryptocurrency boom. Um, and it's essentially, you know, it's like, it's what happens if you tell, if you give just sort of the general public the ability to publish money um, and securities and uh, and all sorts of things. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, and it's, so in that regard, Bitcoin, see my problem with Bitcoin is, you know, there's some arguments to say that Bitcoin is special. A lot of people who are hater on, hate on Bitcoin will say, okay, look, there's so many cryptocurrencies now and, you know, they can just fork them. You can just copy Bitcoin. And that's true. I mean, there's a lot of different versions of Bitcoin. There's Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Private, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin Diamond, a bunch of other things. But um, more than that, it's it's you can do they can copy all the code and everything like that but bitcoin has got the most developers and the most resources and the most awareness behind it so i think that in that regard you know bitcoin is special and it has a i guess some you know i my problems with it are not really so much as to whether it'll get enough support in terms of development like i think that's a given like i think of course it has to get enough support in terms of development or else we won't even worry about whether it'll be adopted and i think that this is you know this is the problem that people don't like I, I, when i try to have these conversations with people in cryptocurrencies um they just don't want to talk about you know cuz i guess the problem bitcoin was created almost as like a um is like a rebellion against traditional monetary policy in the government but it's like who do people think the government is you know the government is supposed to be made up of you know the people or at least you know representatives of the people and they're supposed to be accountable to us at least in the west so i think it's it's so nuts to go with this kind of rebellious sort of anarchy when you could just be like well why don't we just fix money because you got to think like i mean I, I'm, I'll take move on to this to this next um, answer this next thing. So essentially, you know what what's wrong with fiat fiat currencies? As I mentioned earlier, is government issued currencies, and you know so essentially controlled by government. Number one, so that usually can come with a bunch of issues depending on your government. But it's very few governments have actually got it right, if any, I guess, um, and they are inflationary by nature so essentially you know it's they they uh, so i mean I've, i haven't quite got to the bottom of this but essentially it seems to be that for one reason or another governments like to have two percent inflation or at least that's the target that is set by like world banks and, and governments um and the idea seems to be that it's supposed to promote a level of stability that people can predict which sounds just like doesn't really hold very much weight but regardless we just accepted this truth that that governments are aiming for inflation they want a little bit of inflation they think it's good I mean, it's a whole nother conversation as to whether inflation is good or not but um that's what I think a lot of people have a problem with is the idea that, you know, if you held a hundred dollars in 1950, uh, you could probably, you know, you probably could have got maybe gone on holiday for two weeks or something like that. And now if you have a hundred dollars, like, you know, maybe you could go, you could spend a night in a hotel, like maybe one night or if you're, you know, maybe no dinner, but like it's, it's, uh, 
that it's um, that the very nature of the of uh, fiat currencies is deflationary. Uh, sorry, is inflationary, and inflation taxes savers. So essentially, you know, if you've got twenty thousand in the bank, you know, over the course of the next five to ten years, that money is going to lose its value, its purchasing power. It's, you'll still have the same amount, but it's going to be worth less. And um, essentially, you know, that I don't say I don't want to say it encourages consumption, but it does by proxy because it it doesn't encourage saving. For instance, if you knew if you put 10,000 in the bank now and you waited 10 years, you'd be able to buy, you know, let's say nowadays you can buy a TV with, you can buy like a really nice, really top of the line TV and a, and a surround sound system, all the works for 10,000. And you know, if you put it in the bank, you're going to be able to buy two of two top notch TVs with top notch surround system. Not necessarily that you want to, but you know that over time, if you you know, if deflation was in fact, you knew that, you know, over time your money would become more valuable and you'd be able to buy more with it. It wouldn't encourage you to save it. So in that regard, the fact that fiat currencies are inflationary doesn't, it doesn't necessarily like, I don't think people are going, Oh my God, my money's going to be worthless soon. I've got to run out and spend it. But they don't think to themselves, Oh, you know, if I just hold on to this though, it's going to be worth more in the future. So I'll, I'll just save it for now. And, and spending versus saving ultimately will weaken the economy. So in that regard, they're, they give fiat currencies being inflationary gives the illusion of the, of the economy going, being good because prices go up, which somehow people translate into being good because if you're getting paid more money for your goods that you're selling, you'll have more money. But in the same regard, you know, if prices are going down, then you, the, you know, you'll be getting less money for the products that you're selling, but your money will be able to buy more. So it doesn't really matter. Or maybe there's one, maybe one is better, but there's definitely, you definitely can't say that um, inflation is better or deflation is better. But um, yeah, anyway, the, that's what that's a big problem that people have with fiat currencies is that they're inflationary and as a result that encourages uh spending or discourages saving and that in itself will weaken the economy if you're not spending money on sensible things and you're just spending it on consumption then you're gonna do a weak economy and lastly um i've been saying this is under what's wrong with fiat um and it's i have backed with the ability to pay taxes so that's not necessarily a problem. Like, obviously, that's the main f utility of it. But it, but in that regard, you know, it's really hard to get, like, it'd be really hard to replace the pound or really hard to replace the dollar, even with the best cryptocurrency in the world. And that's because, you know, whatever cryptocurrency you got, you know, whatever, you love your Bitcoin, you love your Ether, you love your Ripple, you love your Monero, you love them all, you can't pay taxes with them. And unless you don't have to pay taxes at all, which is pretty rare, then you're going to have to get some pounds or you're going to have to get some dollars. And that's the real downfall, you know, and that's the real fight that no one wants to talk about. Everybody just wants to say, oh, Bitcoin's the new gold. Oh, you know, Bitcoin. Oh, don't worry. When we get the lightning network, the transactions are so fast. Oh, just you wait. Oh, you can't trust governments. You can't trust banks. You're like, what about your taxes? How do you pay your taxes? And I know that's not fun. <laughs> it's not sexy, but it's just like, just that's the real question. I would just love to talk to someone who's a real big fan of Bitcoin. I'm like, what about taxes? If the go and that and then ultimately that comes down to the question of will will governments accept cryptocurrencies? And then it's like, why would they accept cryptocurrencies? I'm not saying they won't, but I'm like, there's no incentive. And it's not even like I mean, there's all these sort of minor issues that I can imagine with Bitcoin. I mean, uh, so let, I mean, that's the thing. Before I get onto that ranting topic, I'll just move on to this. So what's wrong with Bitcoin? So first of all, Bitcoin is a total waste of energy. And this actually like, like, like a little bit upsets me because just when you think about it, you're like, what the fuck are we doing? And I get it, but also you're just like, nah, it's so stupid. So, so Bitcoin, like I said, I described it earlier as a program running on a bunch of people's computers that is uh, updating a ledger. And that's essentially what it's doing. But what they are doing Underneath that, what they what they have to do in order to update the ledger, they compete. The all these different computers they compete with their computing program to guess uh, some um, like unbelievably complicated code 
So essentially, like it's like let's say they have to guess like a, a seventeen-digit number, and it's there's no way of figuring out what the number is going to be other than to just keep firing random numbers into this thing. Just keep just just shooting random numbers, like no rhyme or reason, just fucking machine gunning them at it until you get the right answer. And then whoever gets the right answer, they update the ledger and they also um uh get a rewarded a small amount of bitcoin um but what's happened is this arms race in technology uh in terms of what they call ha- uh, hashing power which is how how fast your computer can like <laughs> machine gun out these fucking these long ass numbers so essentially there are warehouses like water cooled warehouses in like iceland and like fucking china and russia and america and wherever there's cheap energy and these people are just there's just rows and rows and rows of computers and not even computers just like um graphics cards hooked up in these special little units just just firing out these stupid ass complicated uh equations to try and get bitcoin uh, and and at the same time, they secure and they back up the network. But currently, I mean, I don't know what it's at now. This is a little while ago. But there was the equivalent, the Bitcoin network was using the same amount of energy as the country of Ireland. <laughs> and I was like, they said that. And that rung true with me because, you know, I, you know, I... I, I grew up in Ireland, so, you know, uh, I, I, this wasn't like some Irish show. This was like an American dude, and it just happens to be that it's as much power as Ireland. But it blew my little fucking brain out. I'm like, every single person, like millions of people living their lives in Ireland and the, and the Bitcoin network, which essentially like, you know, the, the, the what I find was, is annoying about it is that there is technology out there now, so they don't have to use the energy the way that they do it. That You can do it in different ways, but... What it would take to actually change over the software, I'm not really sure. But yeah, that's a huge problem with Bitcoin is that it's just wasting energy, just burning energy to just support this network. And it's just completely unnecessary because this tech, you know, they call it proof of work. So you basically, you know, by to get the answer and unlock the Bitcoin, you have to prove that you're doing, you know, all this work by guessing all of these numbers. But they have proof of stake, which is where you hold a certain amount of Bitcoin. And by doing that, you secure the network and other stuff. But anyway, so um, it's the next problem with Bitcoin is that it's backed by faith in future use. And, and I say, i.e. no backing at all. And and people, you know, you can say that like, oh, no, no, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, people will use it one day. And you're like, OK, so it's backed by nothing. They're like, no, 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 people are going to use it as a store of value, uh, as gold. Are they going to use it money in the future? I'm like, oh, okay, so this is backed by nothing. Because it essentially, that, I mean, a currency is the most useless thing ever if it's not being used as a currency. This is an absolute waste of time. Like, why are we carrying around these imaginary pieces of paper that hold some prestige but are not actually useful or we're using? Like, what's, what's the point? So in that regard, like, it's not backed by anything it's backed by the faith that people people think that it'll be used in the future but as of right now that that is as good as nothing so don't be convinced that that anything backs bitcoin people have this delusional concept like when i talk about i'll say like oh so gold i mean gold is a store of value people are oh you know but gold's just people just think gold is valuable it's just it's pretty people just think it's pretty but if they stop thinking it's pretty then you know it's not going to be good for anything i'm like Oh my fucking god, my, my fucking head will explode. Like, people don't seem to understand that, like, gold is a useful material. Like, gold is used as for things, like actual day to day stuff. Like, in every cell phone, there is, why did I say cell phone? In every phone, <laughs> in every phone, smartphones, I don't know about old phones, but in every smartphone, there is a little bit of gold. Like, in, sa- in, uh, I don't, is it, in satellites they have gold spacesuits i think they have gold dentistry they use gold like gold is a highly conductive it's highly malleable like a tiny little bit of gold can be spread for miles and miles like some crazy like it's an insane metal and and there aren't 
metals that can do what gold does to the standard that gold doesn't. So gold is is as actual, it is a store of value. Like there is a value to having gold. That is a store of value. Now, euros and dollars, those things can store value, but purely because we have all collectively agreed that they store value. And I think also that, well, because you can pay taxes. So it's like, we've all agreed in this sort of that there's an organization called the government, which is all kind of held together in our heads. And then in the same regard, you know, we've all agreed that we're going to pay taxes so we can keep things going. And then we've all agreed, well, we're going to have to find a way to pay taxes. You know, John can't pay his taxes in bread and and Sally pay her taxes in, in paintings. Like we're going to have to have some sort of medium. And then, all right, and then we'll go on and so fine, we'll, we'll use pounds or whatever it is. But then in that regard, the value of pounds, the value of dollars is, is a huge, you know, how much prices and inflation and then, you know, that's complicated enough, but then you introduce other countries with other currencies and then you're like, oh, so now what's the value? So sure, we know, we know how many loaves of bread you can get for 10 pounds, but how many, dollars can you get for 10 pounds? And then how many loaves of bread can you get for dollars? And so it just gets immensely complicated. But in, in that regard, you know, they, they have some backing and some value. And really Bitcoin, Bitcoin is as only as as good as a fiat currency in terms of its actual store of value. Like Bitcoin will only be useful if people accept Bitcoin and expect to hold that Bitcoin and have it accepted for things in the future. Like, let's not pretend, you know, we just want things, you know, we want stuff. And if we don't think that this Bitcoin or this money that you're giving me is going to get me more stuff, then we're not going to take it. Like at the moment, the reason Bitcoin's price went so crazy high is because everybody just wants more dollars or more euros. They're not thinking, oh my God, I got to get in before the whole economy collapses and I, and I, and there's nothing but Bitcoin and then I won't be able to buy any food for my kids because everybody bought all the Bitcoin. Like it's, I mean, that's not even how a currency works. And if that was the case, then it, it would fail. So it's like every, nobody needs to worry about not getting into Bitcoin. Like the absolute best case scenario is that Bitcoin does get adopted as a currency somewhere in the, in the future. And the people who hold some Bitcoin now will be generously rewarded as the exchange rate adjusts. But it's not like people are going to go, oh, all right, well, we're adopting Bitcoin as a currency. It's worth a million dollars. You're like, it, it, it's worth what it's applied to. You know, like, for instance, in the US economy, like, you know, if you, if you suddenly produce a bunch more stuff, like if the US economy suddenly ha- was producing 50% more things, the value of the dollar would plummet because you'd have a lot more stuff there. You'd have more stuff and less money. So there'd be less money bidding for the, yeah, so prices would fall. Yeah, of course they would. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. Well, this is the effect of weed. So this is a lesson to you kids out there. Hey, don't do, economics and get high but essentially so there so i'll go back and summarize over that so bitcoin what's wrong with it total waste of energy we've talked about that um backed by faith in future use which essentially means there's absolutely no backing whatsoever and maybe it'll be backed in the future in one day when it's adopted but right now no backing whatsoever. And people will try and tell you, they're like, oh yeah, no, it's backed, sorry, people are going to use it in the future. And you're like, okay, so there's nothing backing it. Uh, and so decentralized in theory, so in that regard, you know, the the great benefit of Bitcoin is that you don't have any sort of centralized organizations, you don't have banks, you don't have governments fucking around with it. But there are developers, there's miners, uh, we've talked about those, these warehouses that have all this computing power. And those guys, you know, they, they back up the network and they vote on things. So for a long time, Bitcoin couldn't make changes that it wanted to make and update its protocol because these people had all these weird political battles going on. And a lot of the mining is highly centralized in China and Russia and stuff like that. So in that regard, you know, it's that, that's a huge issue and it's not that decentralized. Um, 
and also developers. There's a there's a group called Bitcoin Core, and these are the guys who update the software and update the code. And admittedly, you know, if they try to update something, the miners have to accept it. But you know, that, that's two very small groups. And as far as you're concerned, they might as well be central bankers and governments. You know, as for, as as for as much of effect as the general public can have on their opinion. And um, then there's whales as well, people, which is a, a in like a, t- um, a slang term for people who hold a large amount of of Bitcoin. So, for instance, Satoshi Nakamoto, the original, the uh, person who invented Bitcoin, uh, I don't know if it's proven, but is rumored to hold over a million Bitcoin, which is like just about just under five percent of the entire supply of bitcoin so people don't even want to talk about that you try and explain to people in bitcoin chats you're like don't you think it's a bit weird that like you're like imagine if if there was a guy who just like there was one person who just for every dollar every 21 dollars there were he owned one of them like imagine if it was like george washington <laughs> george washington and his descendants for every 21 dollars he they would get one like it seems it just seems crazy that seems crazy to me um but yeah people don't like to talk about it because people get real defensive about bitcoin um and then my last problem is that it's open source which is not a problem it's very uh, admirable that they would want that they're totally open and honest about everything that they're doing but at the same time it just means that there's nothing like uh if it's open source, then you can just you can just you can just copy it, and and people can copy it now. I mean, like you know, you could say that um, like euros and pounds and dollars are open source, as in like you can take them home and you can see them, and people do copy them, but it's really difficult, and they employ all these methods that make it incredibly difficult. But Bitcoin doesn't have any of that. I mean, you can't copy bitcoins, like you can't co- you can you couldn't copy bitcoins to use on the bitcoin network but anyone can just copy the whole network and then just start using that one network and so in that regard i mean that that wouldn't control the bitcoin network but it does just mean that you know anyone who wants to come along and just decide to create their own currency and compete can do so and that is not really that i mean there could be something to be said for the competitive nature of it but i just think that that's it's that's just going to create chaos um because you don't you know people talk about this whole thing of like decentralizing trust like getting trust spread out and not having to put your faith in an organization or a government you're like but maybe maybe you need to i mean for if we want to actually have some control over these sort of things in some regard, I mean, I'm not saying that we do. I don't really know. I I think there's an argument to be made that Bitcoin could be used as a currency. But I think at the end of the day, if we all are going to agree that taxes need to be paid and governments don't want to accept Bitcoin for taxes, then it's the end of the game. You know, what are you going to do? Because then at the end of the day, all Bitcoin is ever going to serve as is a medium between people who have Bitcoin and people who want to get dollars. But at the end of the day, if you know, if there aren't people out there accepting Bitcoin for actual things, and then at some point, like for instance, let's say someone starts selling cars for Bitcoin. So you can buy a car with Bitcoin. Great. So what's that guy going to do? Is he going to hold on to those Bitcoin or is he just going to turn the Bitcoin into dollars? Because then as far as everyone's concerned, the real medium of payment is dollars still. So, you know, and and at the end of the day, that guy is not going to hold on to Bitcoin, or at least he's not going to hold on to all of his Bitcoin if he has to pay taxes in dollars he's gonna have to get some dollars and at the end of the day then it just all becomes like a, a choke point and you know you could do the same you could take all your dollars and turn them into cans of beans and then you know when tax season comes around you can turn some beans back into dollars and and you know but it's like why would you bother you know why don't we just hold dollars and and obviously there are all these problems deflationary and whatnot so um i mean i would say that just to, to sort of sum sum this all up and finish this off uh the what would be necessary to have bitcoin accepted and obviously the first one is the ability to pay taxes and you know i you know i don't think that you necessarily have to have it um i think you could you could start off by let's just say that we all agreed that you know what we want to rebel we want 
we we're 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 gonna we can't we don't feel like we can make any impact with the government or the central banks, and we want to have our own little thing going on. So what we're gonna do is we're all gonna collectively start accepting Bitcoin, and we're gonna peg the price of Bitcoin. Uh, so you know, a loaf of bread equals you know point zero 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 one of a Bitcoin, and and we're all gonna just collectively do this for the good of society. See. <laughs> It's just that would be so much more difficult than everybody just not paying taxes. Because if everyone just stopped paying taxes, like if we were really all going to try and make Bitcoin work, we should all just stop paying taxes. Because if we all just stop paying taxes, then the government wouldn't have any money, and then the government wouldn't be able to do anything. Like you know, I think it's hilarious that pe- people talk about when they talk about cryptocurrencies and they talk about banks and they talk about rebelling against the system. They talk about government as if government is some sort of entity that has just sort of emerged out of the out of the nether regions and is just sort of just drifting about just causing havoc in people's lives and we need to find a way to deal with it you're like how do you think they get there like who 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 do you think they are like where do they get money from like this is what confused me so much about like government debt and that's a whole nother thing which i might get into i don't know if i even want to get into it but it's such a such a crazy idea that you're like you know the government how can the government Oh, a bunch of money. They don't make money. They just take money. Government doesn't make money. They just take money. Like I thought for years, I was like, oh, I must be stupid. You know, I must not get it. You know, they must do something. But no, they just take, they just tax people and then they fuck it up basically. And then people have to keep getting, keep paying higher and higher taxes to make up for these ridiculous mistakes that governments make. But anyway, that's, that's off the point. Um, so. The other thing that would be necessary, if, if you wanted to take on Bitcoin, one thing you have to accept is that with Bitcoin, there, there is a uh, state, there is a, so it's, at the moment, there are still Bitcoins being made. So there's a, every 10 minutes or so, there's, I think, 12 and a half or 25 Bitcoin released. And that'll keep going on for another few years. And eventually it will get to a point where there will be no more Bitcoin. Um, and the Bitcoin will be, uh, there'll be no more Bitcoin that will be released and there will be 21 million Bitcoin and that will be it. No, no, no more Bitcoin will be made ever. And for a while I thought, oh, okay, well, that's a disaster because essentially what you'll do is you'll get to a limited money supply. And then if you need the economy to keep growing, then you'll get deflation and, and no one, and as, pri- you know, as prices go down, you think, oh, well, why would I buy pizza? Why would I buy a pizza with uh, half a Bitcoin tonight when I know in two weeks, um, uh, you know, I can get two pizzas for half a Bitcoin. So, uh, I thought, oh no, this is a disaster because then no one will go out, no one will spend, and then the economy will go around. And I've just very recently learned enough about inflation and deflation to realize that that's complete bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's ridiculous. Because essentially, what will happen is if you have a state, if you have like a stable money supply, there's only a certain amount of money, and then it's not going to be any more money. Is that eventually, you know, as the economy grows prices will just start going down because there'll be more stuff and there'll be the same amount of money and that's it. Prices will go down and there'll be nothing wrong with it because, and and yeah, it'll have a deflationary effect. And as I mentioned earlier, that might actually just encourage saving because you might, you're not going to starve yourself to death. You're not going to go, oh, you know what? Me and my kids will just not eat for the next three days because, you know, we could make 25% on our money in, in over the course of a, a year or whatever. Uh, people are just gonna, they're gonna get what they need and then they're gonna save the rest, which is actually great for the economy. So in that regard, I think deflation might actually be fantastic, but you would need to have people accept deflation. Um, because currently at the moment, like inflation is like too much inflation is bad, but like just enough inflation is, is great apparently, which is just absolute bullshit. So, you know, don't trust governments when they say things like that. Um, yeah, so the acceptance of deflation, which actually I think would be really good, um, and the ability to pay taxes, uh, and also upgrades. So Bitcoin, like I mentioned earlier, proof of stake, so it's not fucking wasting all that energy. It's not essential, but I do think it's necessary because if the Bitcoin network keeps growing, like they're talking, they were saying that estimates would that it would be this, it would use as much power as Japan. And I'm like, yo, this is insane. Like you can't, I mean, you can do whatever you want, but it's not necessary for like money to take up that much energy when there are other 
ways of doing it. So, um, and it would also need faster transaction times, which everyone agrees. And I is definitely on the list of things that they're trying to get updated. So yeah, no, I'm sorry if this might, it might have seemed a little bit, uh, rushed. It's my first podcast ever. Uh, I don't know if you could tell. Um, but, uh, I hope, um, this has given people a little window into things. And, you know, there are plenty of videos. If you want to actually learn about Bitcoin, there's loads of great little, like, you know, just two minute videos, infographics that just kind of go like, Bitcoin was created in 2009 by a mysterious figure called Satoshi Nakamoto on a posting on a forum at www. So if you want to check out that stuff, I mean, there's way more together, uh, precise uh, explanations that will break this all down and, and, and tell you what it is. And I think it's really fascinating stuff. Like I can honestly say that I got involved with cryptocurrencies because I was interested in the tech. Like actually, I mean, I was interested in the, the monetary aspect of it uh, for sure, because otherwise I would have just like read about it. I wouldn't have bought any, but I honestly, I was like, you know, I couldn't, I was like, you know, maybe in 10 or 20 years, you know, if this does get adopted, like that'd be crazy, you know. Maybe I'd have I'd have one, and I, you know I could do really well. But what happened over the past year, and how cryptocurrencies just blew up, and just became this whole other thing, you know. And I have a real hard time listening to these videos of these people talking about cryptocurrencies. I used to be so into it, and I'm still really interested in it. But it it's uh a speculative fervor took hold of the marketplace and uh, it went nuts. And I was very lucky to recognize the mania and the hysteria. And I was uh, smart enough to, and lucky enough, I guess, in some ways, because there have been times when I haven't been smart enough to do this, uh, step out of the market um, right right near the top. Um, but it's, you know, I feel like the money superseded everything. and the worst thing that has ever happened to Bitcoin was everybody just bidding for it and just paying money for it. It was the absolute worst thing that's ever happened to it because it's not, you know, the price, the price of money is the last thing you figure out with money. The first thing you figure out is like, all right, well, what are we going to, how are we going to use it? You know, was it useful? Blah, blah, all these different factors, how, you know, and, and, and we just went straight to the, to the value, to the, and it was just, it's so pointless. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't tell you how Bitcoin should have been started. Um, and I think, you know, I think it was started in the right way by, in a sort of grassroots movement by Satoshi Nakamoto and, and the people who first were communicating with him. But, um, somewhere along the line, it just got caught up in, once they started trading it on exchanges for money. Yeah, it just got crazy. So I would advise anyone who's been interested in it to to look into it. But at the same time, there's a much deeper backdrop of uh, monetary policy and finance and all of these different things and, and value and what is value and how do you store value and 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 a really, really complicated things that I can only say that I have begun to scratch the surface of, but I just wanted to give like a comprehensive view of how these things fit into the world. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, what I think is absolutely most likely to happen is that governments, there's no incentive for governments to accept these things. Like they, because what everyone forgets is that they can just accept the technology. They don't have to accept Bitcoin and say, okay, fine. You guys want to have Bitcoin, go ahead, have Bitcoin. Like, why bother, you know? And they don't have to do, they don't have to ban it. They just have to say, well, no, you can't pay taxes in Bitcoin. And as soon as you can't pay taxes in Bitcoin, then you're just going to have to, you're going to have to turn your Bitcoin into dollars, at least at some point. So at the very best, Bitcoin will exist something like Disneyland dollars or, you know, tickets for like a, an arcade where it's like, yeah, they do exist as money, but only within this very, the small confines of, of this, economy like whether it's disneyland or or this local arcade and it's like yeah so people yeah you can use bitcoin as money but only between people who will accept bitcoin like other other bitcoin weirdos who will accept it and then at some point you all you bitcoin weirdos will have to turn your bitcoin into dollars at least some of it to pay your taxes um 
so I don't see them accepting it for any real any real reason to accept it. I just don't see the point in them relinquishing any control over monetary policy. Like even not in like a sort of like a oh they're gonna they're trying to take control of this man. I'm just like no like well governments yeah they they think they're in control like they're supposed to think they're in control like that's their job. And like but the, there's no um there's no reason for them to sort of relinquish any control with it. Uh, and I think that that simple fact, the fact that you'll always have to pay your taxes in, in a fiat currency, um, just means that, that they'll upgrade fiat currencies. They'll just take this technology and they'll just make a, there'll be a cryptocurrency euro or there'll be a cryptocurrency dollar and they'll just, uh, they'll just be transfers like that way. And, um, you know, be wary because then I'm not, you know, I'm not getting into the conspiracy or anything, but then, they really, then just really like have complete control over the system in terms of monetary policy. Cause you're like, at least with cash, you know, you can fucking stuff it under your mattress or I can take it, I can spend it in the shop and there's no trace of it. But I mean, yeah, you put everything onto a, onto a blockchain, onto a, onto a ledger. It's there forever and all the accounts, everything. Um, yeah. So I think that personally that this whole thing will die out this whole cryptocurrency speculation. Uh, I don't know if we're on the way out now. We could see another huge rally um, and another, but I, I, I think it's highly unlikely because I just think that people have been burned now. They had this huge run up, this huge bubbly top where you went up to $20,000 and then you came down pretty quickly. And uh, I just don't see, I just don't see there being any more acceptance really. And I think that the, it's had its heyday. Um, it ve- it's very possible that it's going to go up again. But um, to anyone out there, I would be very cautious. But you know, I would keep an eye on the space because I think it's really interesting. I think it's fascinating the uh, the places that these things could go. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is a this is a explain like I'm high, and I don't know if you could tell that uh, I was probably a little bit all over the place, um, smoking weed and uh, also covering. Something that can be a little bit of a, a very complicated subject that really shouldn't be summarized so simply, simply because I essentially just cur- currencies, cryptocurrency, and uh, and the problems with those two things all in uh, all in the one little podcast. Um, but I just wanted to give people a little bit of a perspective on on these things so that they can just cut through the bullshit. And if you want to learn more about cryptocurrencies, great. You know, that's you know, wonderful. There's lots of information out there. If you want to learn more about government policies, which I would really encourage because there's so much stuff out there that I had no idea about. Maybe I'll talk about that in some podcasts coming up. But um, mainly, look, this is my first, first podcast. I really just wanted to get something out there. Um, I'm going to California tomorrow for uh, a little over a week. So I wasn't going to be able to make one then. And I've been meaning to make one for ages. So hopefully there's no weird sounds in the background. Hopefully it's all good. Hopefully you have been somewhat entertained by the sound of my voice. And hopefully I will see you back here. We, me, hopefully I'll see you back here. Um, when I make the next podcast, um, yeah, you can, uh, share it with your friends and family. And if anyone has any questions or any, I, you know, I love when people tell me that I'm wrong and they can prove to me why I'm wrong because then I get to find out why I was wrong and I can be smarter. And I hate, you know, I hate knowing that I was making mistakes. So if I've said anything that's like wildly inaccurate, if anyone wants to talk about this, if anyone wants to debate, if anyone has any objecting opinions or anything like that, you can contact me at, uh, Irish Rasta Productions at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Oh, and actually, before I sign out, I got to say a special shout out to my friend Jody for being the original inspiration for me doing this. Uh, way back in Cambodia, we were talking about this and, uh, she recommended that I do this. And that was the little seed that got planted in my head way back then. So a big shout out to you. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys.